Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Yaron Dician, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Wint, Water Intelligence. Yaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Hugh. Thanks for having me here. I love what you guys do. Let's start with explaining what you do and who you do it for. Yep. So here's the thing. Water is an unmanaged asset in buildings. Everybody tries to manage water as it goes through the municipal network. But once it gets into a building, it's in a dump pipe and we use it or we don't use it. And the problem with unmanaged assets is that sometimes they do what they feel like. That means for water, two things. One, they escape a pipe and cause damage. And these damages in buildings are very, very significant. And the second thing is they get wasted. Nobody pays too much attention to some water spilling from some tap into the sink or something of that sort. And the result is, and that's an amazing metric, 25% of water entering a building on average goes to waste. And that has a financial impact because water does cost money. And it has a pretty bad environmental impact because water is becoming a scarce resource. And when we use water, we also generate carbon emissions. So those two problems are what we solve. And we solve them for construction companies, construction projects, operational buildings, whether it's commercial or residential. And we also do this for industrial manufacturing lines. Less relevant, I think, for now, but just so you know, we give a broader perspective. Yeah, and some of our listeners are on the EPC side, so it may be interesting. So how, how do you do this? So I understand that the core value is adding management to something that wasn't managed. But how do you do that? So we do it by installing water flow meters, your standard water meter that you put to bill in an apartment or, or anything of that sort. You know, we install them in specific locations in the building. We have engineers who map this and they measure the water flow. This measurement on an ongoing basis at pretty high time frequency gets picked up by our processing unit, the Wind Edge device, which processes these inputs and learns what is normal and what is abnormal. After a while, typically about four weeks, when it knows what's normal for that location, it can now identify an anomaly. And when an anomaly is detected, very simply, we either alert and add this data to all sorts of reports and insights, or we can also shut off the valve automatically. And, and this option to install a valve with us also exists. So it's a combination of standard, very standard equipment that any plumber, any GC is aware and, and familiar with, standard valves and meters, and our specialized AI algorithms that run and analyze this information and make decisions. You said some really cool things in there I want to unpack. One of them is that you have engineers that look at the system, and I'm, I'm guessing a little here, but you have engineers that look at the system and determine where are the right places to put the valves so that they can understand the, the building or the construction project in total. Is that, is that accurate? Right. These are water engineers who know how wind works and can read a building's plumbing plan. Yeah. And they'll look at the plan and they'll mark it up and they'll say, to protect this building effectively, you will need a system here, here, and there. And we'll return this, this plan to the contractor or the building owner and recommend where to install the equipment. What I love about this is it speaks to a part of the Internet of Things, IoT, that we've been hearing about for longer than I want to admit, that you often don't hear about. And that is just dropping a sensor somewhere only is going to tell you locally what's going on unless it's part of a thought through understanding of what's going on in your entire asset. So I really like that, that you got, I mean, I, we saw this with other things too, when people were using beacons, for example, to understand where, where assets and things are that are, you know, move around. 
same thing would happen is you'd have to have an engineer or certainly someone who understood the system go in and say, okay, here's what you're trying to do overall. Here are the key points where we're going to want to take data. So I really love that that's the first thing that you think about is, is here's the system that you're asking us to give you visibility into and provide some intelligence. And here's where you need to measure. Really cool. How, how long does that tend to take? I mean, is that a long drawn out process or is it relatively quick because you just really know how water moves? Oh, we know how water moves. Plumbing plans can be complicated. It's a matter of a few days for, you know, one of our experienced engineers to map out a building. You have to consider that buildings have multiple water systems in them. So, you know, I, I wasn't aware of this before I started this business and most people aren't, but a typical building will have six, seven different separate water systems. So you've got your domestic cold water. That's the one everybody knows. Showers, sinks, restrooms, and so on. You also have chilled water running in the HVAC system to cool the building. You have domestic hot water to take a shower. Sometimes boilers at the basement heat up water and run them through a separate system and so on. So if you look at these six or seven systems, they're all huge potential for damage. Some of them scaringly so. And to do a good mapping, you need to understand all of these. Moreover, your technology needs to support every one of them. They are different in nature, and they do require different technology. How so? What's an example of, of different technology for different systems? I'm assuming temperature is part of that equation, but what, what's different? Temperature is definitely part of it, but really the interesting thing is the algorithms. So if you think of an HVAC system... HVAC systems will circulate water continuously, at least through working hours, if you're in a commercial building, and they'll circulate it on an ongoing, continuous basis at pretty high flow rates, running from a thousand to a few thousands gallons per hour. So water is always running. How do you tell if this running water is the cause of a leak or the cause of you know, legitimate flow? That's one system. If you compare it to your domestic cold water, domestic cold water is very simple, right? You open a tap, some other system that consumes water starts to consume and it stops. You get these starts and stops. So the pattern that you're looking at is very different. And the algorithm that needs to analyze this pattern, figure out whether it's legitimate or a problem is also very different. So we went forward and built eight different families of algorithms for different water use types, and they're amazingly different. It's, it's actually quite interesting once you dive to the details. Isn't it so, so often the case that what seems to be simple, then you get into it and you're like, wow, there are a lot of variables and a lot to be learned in here. And I like how you, you talked about different algorithms. And, and actually, so the second thing that your original description was, I found really interesting, was this idea of baseline and then what's normal versus what's an anomaly. And, and it speaks to, I don't want to quite use the word humility, but not pre-programming too much, but actually letting, letting the, the, the way things are flowing show you what's normal, as opposed to somebody with, you know, twisting knobs and dials to say, okay, we're there. That's really interesting. How long does that usually take and what's the process like? Typically, it's four weeks. Within four weeks, you kind of know what's going on. Now, a construction project is different from an operational building. Operational buildings are quite predictable construction projects will vary, right? Tomorrow you're going to have a concrete day or, or you know, some other big works that require water. And the other day, nothing happens. So there's less predictability. Still, the beauty of these algorithms is they've seen so much all around the world. I mean, we have over 10,000 systems deployed worldwide. They've been out there for years. We have seen so much water flow that even when you look at something as unpredictable as a construction project, you can actually predict a lot. 
And that's where the AI kicks in. These things are, are, are amazing. You know, they, they will, when you build the right algorithm, they can see stuff that you think you can't. You also brought up an important point here is that, that the algorithms themselves are the result of many hundreds of, of projects. So you're not just putting some math against it and hoping it goes well. It's, it's you've accumulated and tuned your algorithms over, over a long time with a lot of different experiences. Really interesting. When you think about what you prevent, what are some good examples and those kind of aha moments on the customer side? Oh, wow. So, you know, most buildings are not the Empire State Building. So the, the example may not be relevant to everyone, but, you know, we are installed in the Empire State Building. And I don't know, a year or two ago, we caught a situation where a pump, a booster pump on a main riser on, I don't know, the 50th floor or something like that started giving and started leaking. Now, you can imagine what happens, right? One of these main risers gives in such a building, the damage could be enormous. We caught it, uh, the alert went out and you know, staff came in quickly and nothing about happened. So that's an example. We have construction projects where somebody misfits a fitting or some other problem on the piping is caused. We've had so many of them and here comes the weekend. And Friday evening, everybody's gone and some pipe decides to give at that moment. And it could go on for 48 hours or so. 48 hours of water flowing in a building, especially if it's near its completion, where all the finishings are in and all the expensive stuff that can get damaged from water is in. You know, this could be very painful. I've had customers who, before coming to Wind, had damages in the many tens of millions of dollars. So I, I, people always ask me, how much did you save? Hard to say. You never really know what the damage would have been that you prevented. But I know that we prevented many cases in the past. Well, and that's one of the main causes of damages, right? Is that, that standing water or, or flowing water. Because on the other side of the sources of water is the elements. So envelope specialists and consultants will often talk about how various little th things that don't seem like they're a big deal. And all of a sudden you've got water standing around and it's broken something or it's, it's caused all sorts of issues. So being able to control water at, from installed sources is, is huge. Yaron, we've talked a little bit about kind of value and what, what it does. Talk to me a little bit about what the, what the process of, of, of onboarding you is like. So it, let's, let's use construction, like commercial construction as an example. What's it like to work with you? Okay. So Typically what we'll do, it depends what we come in actually. So before I answer that, I'll explain. The phase that we come in matters. The earlier you do this, the better it is for everyone. Just like everything on a construction project, right? If you've got it planned as you're building your plans, it's much easier than retrofitting later down the road. If you're coming in midway, all right, all of a sudden you discover that you want to get protection, then we'll go in, we'll take a look at the plans, and your plumbing sub will probably be asked to deploy these valves and meters in the places where we recommend. It'll probably be a change order. The process itself is quite simple. Send us the plans. Here's the current recommendation. Install. We will help you commission the systems and make sure they're operational. We'll then put them in learning mode and off you go. One important thing, this is pretty you know, sophisticated technology. So sometimes you want to tweak it. For example, what do I do during the nighttime? What do I do during the daytime? Maybe the algorithm needs a little tweaking to be more sensitive or less sensitive. All of this comes as part of our service. You know, we don't expect people on a construction site to be as familiar as we are with the inner workings of the solution. So because this is all connected, because this, as you rightfully said, is an IoT device, we have people 
on the back end and the other part of the world looking at your systems and making sure that they are tuned and it's a full service package. It's not just here's some equipment, go deal with it. Better yet, if you're coming in at the start of the project, when you're doing the planning, things will be much cheaper because this won't be a change order. And all you need to do from a hardware perspective is plan in a few valves and meters into the building, which you know will probably not even show up on the work effort from your bidders into the plumbing works. Once again, a bunch of really cool stuff in there I want to pull out. The first one is you mentioned that you're using the, the plumbing sub to install the right equipment where you've decided it needs to go. How much of a learning curve happens on their end? Or is this just another thing that they really know how to do? This is a standard valve and meter. You can buy this off of any manufacturer. I don't know, Belimo, Master Meter, any one of these. It's standard stuff in these plumbing subs. You know, most plumbing subs know how to work with it. So there's not much learning. The wind specialized stuff, like, you know, activate the system, it's a push button and that's it. They, they do not need to be experts in our equipment. Love that. Connectors, you know, the two-pin connector will not fit the five-pin connector. We had that in the beginning. So, you know, there's very little room for error, actually. Whenever you can use user interface or materials or machines or equipment that people already use and put all the, put all the complexity on the back end, it just has such a good effect on, on actual adoption, right? You're actually not asking people to do things they don't already do every day. You're just doing really special stuff on the back end. Which speaks to the second thing, and you mentioned an edge device. Now, folks that don't spend a lot of time with IoT might not quite know what, know what that means. You want to explain what the edge device is and, and what that installation is like? Right. So the edge device is the unit that processes the signals coming from the meter and commands the valve. It's a computer, essentially. It has all the algorithms and the know-how of what to do and when to do when it sees certain water flow patterns or when it learns or when it identifies a leak. It is also connected to the cloud, so you can receive alerts on your mobile phone through that. It'll send the alert to the cloud. The cloud will send it to your mobile phone or to your computer or wherever you want to see it, emails and so on. The nice thing about it, it's totally autonomous. So if, you know, we know construction sites, right? You don't always have electricity. You don't always have connectivity. And the thing is autonomous. So if you set it up in advance and you now have power failure or communication failure, it'll still protect you. It'll do what it's, it needs to do. It'll open the valves. It will detect leaks. It'll close the valves. All the protection happens. Of course, if it was disconnected, then you won't get any reports because it's disconnected, but the protection will be in place. And that goes to power as well. It's got a backup battery. We have models that can run off for many, many months without power. So you can actually, you know, before you have power at that specific location, you can actually run off of a battery unit for long periods of time. Very smart. Again, it speaks to your awareness and knowledge of, of what real projects are like, where things are intermittent or things break or whatever. That, that's really interesting. How does your data integrate with other systems? So, you know, whether it's an existing asset that's running or a construction site. So we have multiple ways and technical methods to integrate our data with other systems. And we've done it with many different providers. As an example, we recently completed an integration with Schneider Electrics, a building management system. Uh, we have many others. It's an open API, and it can be tailored to whatever system out there. Yeah, I love that. I mean, one of the things that, that I want to just say about edge devices I always thought was funny is if you think about what a real sensor does, 99.9% .9 of the time it's saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> like a constant stream of everything's fine. 
And yeah. if you actually had to send that back to some central cloud, it's like, oh my gosh. So a lot of what it does, right, is it monitors and it only really reports back summaries and exceptions. So that's always an interesting way of thinking about it. So you're on one of the things you mentioned before is how water, water damage can be such a big deal for both existing assets as well as for construction. I think you, you mentioned when we were doing our pregame that, that you guys haven't you've recently done some things on the insurance side. Let's talk a little bit about what that means and why that would even be so important. Yeah. So let's talk about the problem first. And the problem is that water leaks on construction sites have become a big deal for insurers. You, you know, I, I speak with a lot of them and you'll continuously hear the phrase water is the new fire. And it's costing insurance companies billions and billions a year. It's actually 30% of the insurance payouts on builders' risk premiums goes for these water leaks from broken pipes and bad fittings and whatnot. So it's a lot of money and it's very painful for insurers. As, as you can imagine, they're not liking it. And so at some point they said, look, you know, we're raising deductibles. And over the past two or three years, I've been seeing deductibles and the market has been seeing deductibles rise from, I don't know, $30,000 per incident, give or take, to a quarter million, which is very standard now. That means you have one water leak incident, you are not insured for a quarter million dollars. And we know what profitability on construction projects looks like. It's not you know, in the 10% range, not even close. And that means that a quarter million dollars matters. I've actually seen it, quarter million is kind of the standard, I've seen it hit half a million, and the worst I've seen is two and a half million, which is really crazy. It's almost like saying you don't have insurance for water leak damage. So given that this is the state of the market and it's been hardening over the past few years, what we've done is joined forces with Hartford Steam Boiler, HSB, and Munich Re. I know big names in insurance to provide what is not exactly, but almost in a deductible buyback program. So if you're using wind and you're using it for whatever reason, you like it, you don't like water damage, you can add on top of it a warranty from HSB that wind will protect you. It's not very expensive. And if you buy it and we fail, then HSB will pay back the warranty. So it's essentially taking away that quarter million dollar component that is, you know, really disrupting some of people's thoughts about their profitability. I love that you've done that. Can you talk a little bit about the process that got you there? Because it speaks to, these are people that like data, to say the least. And for someone to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, you, you had to get there and you had to really demonstrate some things. Can you talk a little bit about what that process was like? Yeah, it's a very good question. So before I, I go through the process, I'll just explain. Both of these are insurance companies. HSB is actually a daughter company of Munich Re, which is a German company. So you can imagine the combination of two insurance companies with, you know, German thoroughness was not a short process. We had systems installed in Germany for two years in a lab, and man, they drilled these systems inside out. They know more about them than I do at this point, I think. So that was one part. Then we spoke to a group of AI experts who work at HSB and review things like us and understand how good they are or how good they maybe are not. And they did a very thorough review of the under the hood type of, of kind of analysis. So that was a long, long process. We're talking three years or so of, of analysis and evaluation. And last week was the culmination of that work. So, you know, we're very happy about it. That's so exciting. And, and again, 
I ask that particular question because almost no customer is going to have requirements that are as stringent as what an insurer is going to put their name behind. So you think about it, you know, we talk about cybersecurity, SOC 2 is one way of looking at it, right? And it's like, okay, it's at least this good. But you think about when an insurer puts their name on, or more importantly, puts their money behind something, it it really speaks to both quality, rigor, and degree of reliability. Really exciting. So as you think about how the three chunks of business, we talked about construction, we talked about running a commercial business, as well as industrial. Are there differences in how you approach them and how you add value? Yes, of course. Every one of these markets and customer groups has very different needs. And if you think of how a construction project operates, very clearly it's different than an industrial manufacturing line or an operational building. So there's a lot of detail that goes into this from very specific granular product features that we built just for this category of customers or for another down to how we work with them, how we do our planning, how we design. You know, important thing to say, the design and layout of our systems in the building for a construction project is not exactly the same as it is for an operational building because water use is very different. So it's endless detail, right? It's endless detail. How do you provide excellent service to all of these categories who are very, very different? That makes a ton of sense. Well, as you think about where you're taking the business and you know, you've really understood the performance and behavior, I mean, really understood the behavior of water in various stages of building, where are you going next? What do you see as the future as, as you continue to develop and get better and better? So here's what I think is going to happen in the industry. I think 50 years ago, people would say, hey, what's the return on investment for a sprinkler system? I bet you nobody has asked that question over the past 10 years, at least, because you just do it, right? You put in a sprinkler system in a building and it makes total sense and you'd be crazy to think otherwise. And I think water in buildings is not that different. Now, obviously, water will not cause loss of life, uh, but it will cause massive damage and massive impact on the environment. And none of these things are, are very desirable these days. So in my mind, In five, in 10 years, and it's not my mind, right? It's our vision is that in five or 10 years, water management in buildings and on construction projects will be a standard. You won't be asking anymore. Every new building built will have these systems in and it will run with the building throughout its life cycle. It will help with sustainability. It'll help save money. They always return the investment because, you know, you save water and that on its own returns the the investment. And it's just going to be a standard thing. You'd be kind of weird to not do this or maybe building a very low end type of of facility or project to actually not be putting these in for the long haul. So that's, that's where I think the industry is going. And when things go to that scale, obviously you need to take care of it. And that's a lot of what we're doing now, you know, is making sure it's all fine-tuned and polished and ready for that mass, mass market that I believe is coming. That's great. Do you think about managing multiple buildings and campuses as well? That's got to be part of how you go to market even now. Oh, of course. We have customers who are using us across their portfolio, tens of buildings across the world. You know, we've got international customers such as HP or Microsoft and customers who have facilities just across the U.S. but spread across, you know, broad geography. So absolutely, yes. It just seems like a natural hop from campus management to smart cities or certainly smart neighborhoods. Do you see that as something that's coming as well? 
it could very well be. It's not our focus right now. It's it's a little bit different in terms of the customer base. And we, we like to work with enterprises, and that would be working with utilities. But the technology is there. It it does the same thing with tweaks. So we may well go there at some point. Yeah, getting getting municipalities to, to understand and fund that sort of thing has been a rocky road, to say the least. Well, Yaron, I love what you guys are doing, and I'm really glad that you got to explain sort of the ins and outs of it and some of the some of the details that make it so special. So thank you for being on the podcast. Before we go, though, how can people learn more about you and, and follow up? Very easy. We have a website. You can go to the website. There are contact us forms there. You can always send an email to sales at sales at win.ai. And, you know, we're, we're very approachable. We're here. We'll reply. Love it. I'll have those details in the show notes as well. So, Yaron, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks you for having me. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.